Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 131. With Saris victorious in the Premiership playoff final and the Young England contingent taking the Barbars by surprise, it's been another great week in the world of English rugby. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that leaves England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, it's taken a little bit longer. I'm getting getting kind of into the habit of saying this, but uh, Daniel has not been well this week. However, he is fit and healthy today, and he's back raring to go. And of course, he's joining me now. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a, a week in bed with uh, a man bit flu. of man flu. Man flu. Do you know what you find out like with this, like with, with the new missus? Thought, oh, what's this going to be like? You know, fairly early days. She's an absolute psycho, mate. Let, let me explain to you. So I, she's a hairdresser and she does a lot of wedding hairs and things. She has these like uh, life, like life looking dolls heads. So it looks like a severed head that you see in a horror movie. And she keeps hiding it around my fucking house. So I'm still feeling a bit groggy. I walk in and I just see this head in my bed, which looks like a real person. I almost shit myself. Today's the first... It had long hair. You got into bed beside it and you tried to snuggle up. <laughs> of course, of course. And, uh, unfortunately. And then today I get in my car and my fucking head's in my car on the passenger seat. Mate, she's a nutter. Good, good banter, mate. Mate, it was, in fairness, get it. She's pissing herself. I'm absolutely, literally close to crapping myself. So you're both wetting yourself, basically, but for different reasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. But, uh, yeah, but no, it's been a so week, but still, we're getting one out this week, um, very late in the week. Uh, Just get by the skin of our teeth. Uh, we're, we're sticking to our once a week plan, but um, I don't know whether it's worth, even worth making promises anymore. Um we, we'll try and stick to our plan of once a week. We Hopefully we'll get back onto our routine of getting them out to you on Tuesdays because that was always the plan. But uh, who knows? We're, both We're fickle, fickle men. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but anyway, that's more, more to the point. There's a few things to discuss this week. Uh, it'll be a relatively short episode, I think, because although they're important things to discuss, they're short and sweet and everyone's had plenty of time to find out about them elsewhere. But uh, here's our take on, firstly, the long awaited and not unexpected Premiership uh, playoff final. Um, and then, of course, the Barbars game last weekend um, that, that I was at and, and that you obviously watched all of the... Well, you were watching it. We were kind of chatting throughout the game, you know, the the, the TV view versus the live view, and c- comparing notes. So it was quite good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, um, where do you want to start? Well, let's start do with the Premiership sh- final. It's the order. The do order you want to start? Do we, do we, did we have an email to read out? Do we want to start there? Or? Yeah, so so we had a, we've had an email from uh, Andrew Moore. I think that's how you say his name. Um, he says, uh, great pod, guys. Really enjoy listening to your in-depth breakdown of the game. The topic of Danny Cipriani, I really find an interesting one, as everyone's calling for him to go to the World Cup. Uh, if you work on the basis of 31 players going, I think the team going will be. And I'm not going to read out his team because... This deserves an episode all to itself, and it's a 100% one that we're going to do in the not-too-distant future, and we will definitely come back to this. But having given us his 31-man squad, which I have to say is certainly not a million miles away from what I think we would pick if we were picking today, he goes on to say, if this was to be the squad, who would you drop to put a Cipriani in there? As I can't find one player who would deserve to be dropped. I also think Eddie Jones has been building his squad for the World Cup based around Farrell and Ford at 10, and unfortunately Cipriani doesn't fit the type of play he wants. 
I also think there may be a clash on the pitch with Farrell and Sips. If you go back to the game in South Africa, when both were playing, Farrell did not look impressed when Cipriani put the kick through for May to score. Hence why I believe he won't make the World Cup. Anyway, great pod. Keep up the good work. So, firstly, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, for reaching out to us and for your kind words of encouragement. Secondly, um, we will 100% respond to your questions uh, when we put together our episode but as I say I think it needs a dedicated episode it's a it's a pretty big deal what we think the squad that's going to go is going to look like so um, it deserves more than just a a, a fleeting visit today yeah for sure um it was interesting that yeah Andrew thanks very much it's interesting like we say I won't go into it but looking at your squad I'm struggling to find a place I would I would argue with you for players so there might be the odd one, but no, it looks good. And uh, as Andy says, yeah, let's wait. But do you know what? This is what I heard. And this can't be right. I heard that it might be another four weeks or so before Eddie names his squad. That just, that doesn't make sense, surely. Um, no, I think that's probably right. I think, I think end of end of August. Because he's good. Don't forget. He's no, gonna... no, I, I mean his wider squad. Um, I mean, well, he's going to name a squad presumably the week before the start of the first training session. When when is that? Do you know? um, well, based on the fact that if you played last weekend, you wouldn't be in the first two training sessions because you need a minimum of five weeks off. I'm guessing it's three weeks from last weekend. So maybe yeah. So so yeah. Maybe maybe three weeks time, something like that. We'll hear what the initial what what is kind of initial look squad is going to be, or at least his sort of for, you know training squad. I mean that, that because so many of the big names, you know, the Saris lot, the Exeter lot, and so on, are not going to be available for the first two training sessions perhaps he's going to take the opportunity to bring in some guys that probably don't have a shot at the world cup um as much as anything because he's, he needs a, a squad of a certain size to ensure he has two teams to put up put against each other in, in training scenarios um pardon me so may maybe naming the squad at that point kind of doesn't really make a lot of sense um, because you're going to be you're going to be naming names that you know are not going to be part of the wider squad. So maybe that's one of the reasons. Maybe he wants to get through those first two sessions, and then the third session, when all of the when everyone's back, um, is when he kind of goes, "This is this is now my World Cup wider squad." Um, you know, now that it now that it includes all of the all of the names. Well, yeah, I don't know. But I, I did, when we were at Twickenham, we went into the shop because I was looking at, I wanted to know when the World Cup shirt's going to come out because, of course, we're going to need to be getting those. Um, and England aren't releasing their World Cup shirt until the last week of August. It's, um, I find England seem to do everything a bit later than everyone else, don't they? I, I don't they're know probably, if that's good or bad. They're, they're probably squeezing out an extra shirt between now and then to try and up sales. Of course, it was crazy. How I mean, looking around the stadium and seeing, you get, and it's great. You see, so you know, a lot, an awful lot of people have gone out and bought a shirt or some sort of um, supporters item of clothing at some point, and just seeing the num the, the number of different, and and obviously it's an England shirt, so it's predominantly the same, just with these subtle differences. Um, and given how much they cost, if you want the kind of the the top of the range official ones, it's uh, there's a lot of cash exchanging hands in the old RFU. Twickenham shop there is and I don't get me wrong I, I'm definitely going to get one because well for a start I'm not going to wear the bloody 2015 <laughs> one so no um, I, I will get one but uh yeah they do uh they do like to milk it as much as they can maybe we can convince them to uh to give us a couple of uh 
couple on the house, you know, for, as as representatives of the England well, supporters. Well, we'll certainly try. I mean, if, if you don't ask, you can't yeah, be surprised exactly. if you don't get, right? Exactly. Anyway, uh, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to start us off talking about the Premiership final because I've 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 seen obviously the result um, and I, and I've read about the highlights and things. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I know that you have. Um, first and foremost, it's the result we all expected, right? I mean, yeah, that seems is. we'll go into it, but because obviously it's not quite as simple as that. But you know, it, but looking at, at, at on paper, you look at the result and it's like, yeah, that's what we thought was going to happen. Didn't happen quite how we expected, though, did it? No, I, I, I knew Exeter. I, I didn't expect Saracens to play them away, and they didn't. Um, I, Exeter, a great team, but God, Saracens are really, really good. Like they're, they're just such an amazing team, um, and they did deserve to win it on, on the balance of things. They, they didn't play their best game, and they still won, and, and deservedly so. Um, it was, it was a great final. It was an absolutely awesome final. Extra for everything at it. Extra can't. I, Exeter should be proud of themselves, I reckon, because I think, I think Exeter really gave it their all. Um, and at one point, I thought they're going to win this. They were 11 points up or something yeah, like yeah. In, early in the second half. But Saris are just so good. Um, Jamie George. Yeah, Jamie George. Like Some of the Saris players had absolutely monumental games. Like I thought Jamie George was brilliant. I thought Mara TJ was awesome. Well, Mara was my um, match, wasn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think he was yeah, man of a match. I, think he was. Um, I, I, th- I thought Billy didn't have his best game, but I still thought it was brilliant. Um, Owen Farrell was great. He missed an easy kick, but he got difficult ones and he stood up when counted. Um, Saracens are looking good. So the only thing, like I made a couple of notes where I wouldn't chat about it. So Saracens are looking really good, and I think that's great for England as well, The way, especially the way their England players are playing. Mm. There was one bit, there was only one bit that worried me, and maybe wrongly so, but there was a point where Henry Slade went to the bin, and it was early in the match, and it was a very kickable penalty, and Saris went for the corner, and they, they took the line out and they scored. So as it turns out, right call. But what worries me is England's conversion rate's not the same as Saracen's. So yeah. it does slightly concern me that if England start doing that when they're not taking points on, because you know I'm a massive, take the points, take the points. Yeah, um, well, let me on that then, let me ask you, is there ever a scenario um, other than when you're behind and you have no choice, is there ever a scenario when you're ahead or, or close where you do go for the corner? And the reason I ask is because Henry Slade's just gone to the bin, you're a man up. That's a big advantage. That that is one of the one of the the occasions where I would argue there is a decision to be made. It's not quite as straightforward as take the points, take the points, take the points. But but I, you know, what are your thoughts? So so I think you're right. So I think Saracens made the right call in that scenario because Saracens. Here's where I think it's different. It, it's not an international defence. Again, as good as Exeter's defence are, in an international match, I think it's more important to take the points. Mm. Whereas in that match, Saracens know they're going to score tries. I mean, they're just too good not to. So I kind of felt they almost had nothing to lose. And yeah, of course, there's scenarios where you should do that. And if on the pitch, if you're absolutely dominating lineouts and dominating drives, yeah, I, I think you can. But if that had been England against... 
I don't know, say England against South Africa, I would have wanted them to have taken my point. Right. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one if the scenario presents itself, and I'm sure it will for someone at some point in the World Cup, but if it presents itself for England, where it's not just about do we feel like we've got a bit of momentum, but actually we were in this... Because you've got to remember there's 10 minutes. So even if you don't convert and you need to be going into a situation like that, you know, expecting to convert to, you know, and get the try. But even if you don't, you are a man up for the next 10 minutes. So I guess a big question there is, is there a game plan? And I'm sure there is. Is there a game plan for a scenario when they've got a man in the bin? that's going to enable you to take advantage, whether that be that suddenly your fly half or your inside centre, wherever you, you know, your kicker or whatever, is suddenly switched into, right, I'm looking for drop goal opportunities. So we're going to go for the corner because we're in a really strong position. We're a man up. They're in a lot, under a lot of pressure. If it doesn't happen, and even if it does happen, for the next you know nine minutes, ten minutes, eight minutes, whatever is left uh, before the player comes back on, we're looking for every opportunity. And that means if we find ourselves in the middle of the park and there's three points on offer, we take them. Because I guess that's the thing, isn't it? If you go for the corner, you don't convert, but then, you know, let's say you, you try and score and, and, and yeah, they hold you up over the line and everyone's going, oh, what have you done? You could have taken the points. It's about saying, okay, keep the pressure on and be looking for that, that three-point opportunity. I, yeah, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like there are scenarios where... It's more than just about coming away with the points. It's about kind of um, pressing an advantage and putting you, the opposition under immense pressure. But you're right; it can easily backfire because if they do manage to withhold, um, that's a massive boost to the defensive side, and we saw that against Scotland. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that against Scotland. Don't get me wrong; I like going for the corner with hindsight. Everyone's like. No, oh, oh yeah, no. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision, but you know, end of the first half against Scotland, and you've you've uh, you've you've kind of attacked twice, and they've uh, you know st- stood you up twice. That's a massive advantage to them. Coming out in the second half, they've suddenly got they're, they're buoyed by the fact they've just managed to do this. So you know that's that's the risk that you take by not simply taking the points and you know putting them under pressure at the time. And you're right, hindsight was easy. We did say. They should have taken the points, given the players a rest, and maybe that's maybe that's bottom line here. Maybe it's like actually, you know, it's a World Cup, got a long way to go. It's not just about one game, although you have to win everything if you can. Um, maybe they do need to just be like, right, points, points, points. Even if we, you know, forget, you know, points is pressure. So I don't know. I'm not, I've I presented an argument and then I've argued against it. So yeah, I mean, against Scotland, I must admit, I there was no way I was thinking take the points there. I was 100 percent thinking. Yeah, go for the corner, completely finish them off because it never occurred to me that Scotland would come back, be able to come back. Like, of course, it was just a but this, this, this is my point, though. You know, is that is that a prime example of why you're right? And actually, you do take the points every single time, regardless, because even in a situation where it seemed like the obvious move, in hindsight, so- the points would have cha- could, could potentially have completely changed the outcome of the game in terms of because the, those three points would have been Scotland going, oh, we're another three down. Yeah, no, exactly. And I yeah. get that. And I, th- I think that was a difference. I think that was a Clive Woodward difference. Clive Woodward just literally analysed every possible scenario and probably, I, I, I'm not saying 100%, but he may well have taken those points and then just like, yeah, put the points out. That makes it instead of four scores, that makes it five scores or yeah. whatever it was. And Johnny was always very good at like, you know, any time that it, it, there wasn't an obvious, and, and maybe, you know, difficult to to say anything negative about Johnny, but, you know, maybe he didn't have the vision of an Owen Farrell 
um, in terms of seeing those kind of bullet flat passes that missed How two men out and, and put them in in the corner. But he did what he did have was that ability to go if if something isn't obviously on, but three points is I'll take the three points and build the score and build the score and, and you know and as a result England won the World Cup. So you know maybe that's something that Owen Farrell does need to work on. It's just you know and, and actually the game in general you don't see as much of it anymore and there's really no reason why. Like I know it's boring like people want to see tries, but maybe maybe we need to learn a bit, a bit more from Johnny and and Owen Farrell needs to be looking f- more for those pot three pointers just to keep that scoreboard ticking over and keep the the opposition under pressure because you put one over they're under pressure you put a second one over you're only one point short of if you scored a try do you know what i mean yeah. so as you're building you quite quickly get to a point but you know Johnny used to put two three four five over in a match and you know it's constant you know you think back to what was the world cup when Yanni de Beers did it to us in paris 99. And it was, I was there with my dad, with my old man. It's the first time I'd gone to a World Cup. We'd gone all the way to Paris and you just watched and it was just heartbreaking because you could see you could, from, from a mile out what South Africa were going to do and there was absolutely nothing that anyone could do defensively to prevent it. So, it's, anyway. Mate, I, I think it's a good point because my biggest criticism of this English team is I think they go long periods sometimes without any points. Like they might go a period where they get like three, four tries within like 20 minutes, then they could go 40 minutes yeah. without scoring a point. So, whereas I think... The 2003 run- lot, the score was constantly moving, constantly moving. And, yeah. and with, with every movement, albeit only three points at a time, the gap's widening and the pressure's I, mounting. Exactly. Ironically, the only time they didn't seem to do that was the second half of the World Cup final. But, <laughs> you know, that... Who, who you Although you say that, but they were they not... Um, were both teams not trading three pointers? No, second half England didn't score a point. Oh, okay. I can't actually remember. That's 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 naughty. Anyway, uh, anything else from that Premiership yeah. final that you think is is? Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily going over match. So the Saracens seem like looking good. There are a few other points that I I wanted to bring up. Firstly, Matt Kvezic for me has earned a place in the wider England squad at least. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I've, I've been a massive fan of his all along. But also, I would, a one on one tackle, there's no one, no English player I'd prefer to have as the tackler than Kvezic. Really? Um, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to smash people, he's going to do it, but I just don't think he's going to miss. I remember when Billy's just suddenly running and Kvezic is there, doesn't smash him down. He, he doesn't even stop him. Like if Billy wanted to offload, he could have. But. I just saw Kvezic there and I was like, I know he's going to take him down. I know Billy's not going to run an extra five metres with him holding on. And he did. So, <laughs> well, I mean, what about Underhill? Does he ever miss a tackle? No, so Underhill as well. Brilliant. <laughs> or Laws. So, so Underhill's up there and <clears throat> things. But to me, Matt Kvezic, I, I just think Matt Kvezic is a great player. I think he deserves a wider place. I think he's had an amazing season um, and he's looking good. The other... So I really want to see him. The other wider point is obviously Jack Noel got injured. Yeah, was it? I know he was on crutches walking off, but I think it was fairly minor. I think it was more just. So, or have you heard otherwise since? Well, no. I I, I looked into this today actually, and and had a look, and it was very like there didn't seem to be anything definite. But the only thing that gave me some timeline, and this may have changed, and it may be different now, is they said he might need a minor surgery and. Um, may well miss three of the four England warm-up games. Oh, dear. So that's, 
that's like pushing like like same with Mako because Mako's a bit um, sort of on edge when it comes back. You still take him, I think, and you know he can still come back, get his fitness, and he can like do the warm ups against some crap teams in the World Cup. But it's um, it is a bit of a worry because if that that's the only thing I saw, and there was certainly no authority in saying this is what's happening. Yeah. It was a suggestion that it might be the case. If that's the case, but even a bit longer, then Jack Noel potentially, hopefully not, and I think we would have heard more if it was the case, but he could potentially be a World Cup doubt. I mean, <clears throat> that would be a massive shame. I think he's a, I think he's a massively important part of England's World Cup um, squad. And obviously, yeah, it, we'll, we'll know more nearer the time, but maybe that would answer the question <laughs> that's been posed to us by Andrew. Um, about where does Cipriani fit in, but um, but yeah, I, I mean we don't want yeah. that. We don't want that to be this, the case. I think I think Jack Noll just offers so much in terms of work rate and and just just everything he he offers the team. And, and he's such a flexible player. You know, he, we were playing him on the wing for England. He's a fullback for Exeter. Um, he can play it in the centres. I mean, he'll play wherever you put him, really, won't he? He'll, he'll play on the flank. Not that we not that we want to have to play him there, but. You know, he he has that ability to just sort of roam the back if necessary and and cover whatever needs covering. And and I think everyone has seen uh, my well, ev- everyone heard about my Jack Don Man Crush uh, recently, but he's well, been I, so. We didn't good want to mention recently. that. Yeah, um, but he he has been like absolutely immense recently. So I he'll be I back. Think we I, need I, him. He, he'll he'll recover. He'll be back. I have, have faith. That's the key. Yeah, I yeah I hope so. And I think you would. I think we would have heard otherwise if it was different. Exactly, it would have been bigger news. Um, okay, so bottom line is uh, two the, the two the, the two correct teams faced off each faced off uh, in sure. the in the playoff final. Um, the the team that we expected to win, Saris, did win, but it was a close fought match. Um, great for English rugby. Two strong teams. Two great. Uh, two sort of large England contingents. Um, but I think bottom line, we said it before. Um, I think from from an England perspective, the result I think works in England's favour uh, with Saris being able to do what they did in Europe, and then again in the Premiership, um, and with Exeter being able to walk away with their heads held high. Um, I think both both squads come away from those games, um, you know, in a really good place heading into the World Cup, um, and obviously it's the the Leicester contingent that hopefully. Are going to find a way to turn things around uh, after the season they had. Yeah, they did. But the thing is, the thing about the Leicester contingent, though, the England players, who are the England Leicester players? So you've got Ford, Johnny May, Manu. Ben, ben Youngs. Ben Youngs. Dan Cole. Yeah, Dan Cole, potentially. They've all actually been playing well. I mean, George Ford's had an amazing season. May for England's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm not as worried about them. Yeah. At least they've had a good bit of time off to get their heads straight. Get get into you know they'll be they'll be fit and firing for the start of the uh, the training sessions. <laughs> and hopefully, yeah, yeah and exactly. Hopefully, yeah, that- just be kind of good to go and and ready to kind of make up for a poor season. Um, yeah, and they're not having to worry cut. about new contracts, new places to live because luckily they stayed up. Uh, Leicester will probably come back next season and win. <laughs> Uh, really? Well, probably, probably <laughs> I, not, I'm going to bet against. That. On paper, on paper, you'd argue that they. Well, why not? Uh, up front, they look poor. Yeah, maybe. But you know, Ellis Genge is another one. 
Yeah, they, you've got some good players, but they, they just... Leicester, Leicester, I think, could even be in trouble next year. What do you think? Not, not to go down, but I think they could have a, they could be in trouble as in they could have another, like, bottom three type There's season. There's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Should we, there, there certainly is. Should we move on? Because, um, the other, yeah, the other game, of course, was the Barbars game we mentioned in our last episode when we were... Actually, quickly before we move on, there's a... Uh... One thing I want to ask, and and don't don't be a bell end about this. Don't be like, oh, it would never happen. If Saracens played England and you could clone the players, who do you think would win? It would never happen, mate. <laughs> oh, no. uh, if Saracens, <sighs> mm. I think it'd be a close game. I'd like I'd like to say England because I'd like to think that uh, rugby is not like football and. International is a step up any way you look at it. Yep. Um, so, I, so I also I think that. that I also think that with Saris, the you know what they're used to week in week out, as good as they are, what they were used to week in week out is is not as good as international. So yeah, I'm going to say England, but close game. I I think I just about agree with you. So and I completely agree that internationals a step up at this level. But I would say Saracens are probably the only <laughs> club team in the world that are play international standard week in week out. And of course, you've got in Saris, you've got um, people like uh, Brad Barrett, who's not being considered for England. You've got people like Alex Good, who's not being considered for England. Who, in theory, on paper at least, um, you know, are you know, should be contenders. So. You've got a Liam Williams. Liam Williams, best fullback in the world. Oh, well, easy. You not think? Uh, Alex Good. What do you think? Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Liam Williams has actually been playing on the wing because of Alex Good. Uh, best fullback in the world. Um, or I, I would have said Israel Flau. <laughs> well, but... yeah. He doesn't play anymore. Yeah, true, true. He's, he's trying to. He's still trying to sue I know. them. Ironically, what, he I, ironically, at? he's now trying to sue them for. Um, or he's saying it's unfair that they've shared the details of what's going on, and it's like, isn't this whole thing about you saying things that you shouldn't say? Oh, is that what you're saying? I, I didn't realize it's something I like it... that. He's, not, that's not why he's suing. Like he's suing because he thinks it's un. Yeah, that the decision's wrong. Um, but he's now come out saying how unfair it is that you know what's supposed to be you know, kept under wraps is being kind of shared publicly so everyone's aware of what's going on or some, something along those lines. And it's basically just like, oh, God, listen, all the people, we've said it a million times before, this is not about people's beliefs. You can say, you, you can have whatever beliefs you want and no, no one's telling you you can't, but accept responsibility that sometimes, sometimes when you choose to share your beliefs, it, it doesn't go down all that well. Um, and that's one of these one of these scenarios, so... Um, he's only got himself to blame, and yeah, to, to now be saying that people are saying too much, and and that you know things that should be kept to yourself are not, you know, that the that the uh, Australian rugby, what are they? What is it? What is it? Is it just Australian rugby? Yeah, I think it's just basically Australian saying rugby. you know that there are things that Australian rugby shouldn't be sharing publicly, which is ironic because that's why Australian rugby are sacking him because there are things that he shouldn't have been sharing publicly if he wanted to keep his job. He reminds me of like a 15-year-old where they, they go and they're like, no, 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 I'm a big man. I could do whatever I want. But no, no one no one, no one can be mean. There can't be any consequences. It's I'm, just like, I'll mate, be honest. I'm not massively up on my um, on my Bible studies, but uh, 
I'm sure suing um, sh- suing an organisation for five million dollars, uh, or maybe it's the equivalent of five million pounds. I can't remember how much. Um, doesn't sound very Christian. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It doesn't, and it does. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Um. Anyway, we we we're, we're digressing. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. The answer to your question, I think England would win. At least that's what I hope because I I'd like to believe that international is a step up. Whereas in football, I think it's the complete opposite. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with that. Okay, so let's go to uh, Barbar's match, which you were at. Talk me through your day. Talk right, me through your so day. So two important things here. Firstly, we had pretty special seats because when I looked to my right, Mister Jones. Was about twenty people down, same row. Mate, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was so fucking pissed off when you sent me that picture <laughs> of you by Eddie Jones. I'm like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Not only did you not take me, you're now mocking me with it. I mean, and... to, to be fair, he wasn't in like the box or anything. He was very much just he had a random seat in the crowd. But it clearly he he was given a seat with a good view. So that that confirmed that I'd picked the right uh, the right seats to be in, albeit. <laughs> Slightly off to one side, but that was fine. Um, so yeah, we had a pretty decent view. The sun was shining. It was a pretty nice day. Um, we said before the game, a little bit disappointed in the squad because it just felt like you know, it's not really going to watch England play. It's just going to watch a team of potential future sort of superstars. And you know, when the players all ran out onto the pitch, it was it looked like it was going to be men against boys. Um, you know the the barbars looked so strong. You know all the pundits were backing the barbars, or at least they were live. I don't know about on the TV. And that England team just went out and and decided. Do you know what? We're we're young. We're hungry. You know we want to prove ourselves. And um, you know we're not just going to take this line down. And they were awesome. Mate, they played well. They played really well. So who <clears throat> who do you? So so firstly, like if, if we'd been like. Completely realistic about this. Is there anybody who you now think is in contention for a World Cup squad place? Uh, I don't think anyone in that game is in contention for a, a place on the initial plane short of injuries. Yeah. Um, and I don't think any of them will actually be included in the... I mean, they might... Well, so, right. Marcus Smith, I thought, played absolutely incredibly well. Um it was a joy to watch. Uh, he is a hundred percent, yeah, and we and we already knew this. You know, a player for the future for England, albeit he's got a lot of comp- stiff competition in front of him because it's not like Farrell and Ford and so on are young. Uh, sorry, are old. Um, but uh, but I think he's going to put them under a lot of pressure. And do I, you? Yeah, I do. Even Looking, with Cipriani there, I don't mean for the World Cup. I mean in the future. Cipriani's going to okay. retire after yeah, the World Cup, I would, I would imagine. Like he's, how old Cipriani now? He's got to be our sort of age, hasn't he? I, I, I think he's got a couple more seasons. I don't think he'll be about for the next World Cup. So, no. he, so if he we're looking at World Cup cycles, yeah. Ford and Farrell could potentially play in the next World Well, they'll certainly be young and they are certainly young enough to play in the next World Cup. But I think Marcus Smith will have something to say about that. Um, and I think watching over the next four years, we may well see more of him. Um, he looked brilliant. He just looked so in control. He looked so kind of ahead of his years um, out in the field. I thought Joe Marchant was brilliant in in the midfield. Not 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 World Cup ready. Not that you know. Not that kind of brilliant, but definitely an interesting one to watch. And Alex Dombrant, who yeah, last season was playing, as you mentioned, last season playing 
university rugby, and this season he's playing for Quinns. And interesting, in fact, those three all Quinns players. Um, so yeah, I would. Th- Quinns are going to be very happy about about that because they they for me were the three standouts. But yeah, Alex Dombrant looked looked fierce, and you know, give him a little bit more time to get in shape, and you know, Eddie ready. Um, I think if, I think he's he's come come into this he's come into rugby professional rugby a year too late. I think so, a year ago could well have been a contender. Um, yeah, it's just a bit too early for him. But so yeah, I don't think any of them get the call up. But I think Marcus Smith is fourth in line for the fly half shirt at the moment. Yeah, um, and therefore, if there were injuries, there's the potential that he could get a call up. Um, and he, yeah, interestingly, sure. he said afterwards, because he actually turned down the under-20s World Cup and they were saying for this Barbars game, but obviously he turned it down because he wants to make sure that there's that possibility that he still gets a call-up for the for the, the, the Senior World Cup, um, as, as much of an outside chance as it, as it is. But uh, yeah, he looked... I don't, maybe it looked different on TV. Did, did it not feel... No, mate, mate, that, it looked like that. Like, Marcus Smith looked awesome. Don Brandt looked immense. Martin looked great. Um, so if you had to, just one person, bearing in mind like current players and all that, whereas Marcus Smith is unlikely because of who's ahead of him. But if from that team, if you had to say, okay, one person's involved in the training squad, who would you take? Obviously, Marcus Smith could still be your answer. but uh, One player involved in the training squad, who would I take? I think I would go Marcus Smith because I think, I don't think England need another centre. <laughs> And I don't think England need another back row player because I think they're, so, all, they're already back. As 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 interesting as Don Brandt was, and as much as you know, Eddie Jones does like to kind of mix things up by throwing a complete kind of curveball in the mix, uh, and I'm guessing that's the way you're leaning. Um, I feel like having another playmaker involved in the wider squad is probably more valuable, particularly in terms of you know being being kind of match ready on the off chance that there's a call up. You know, who who would you rather? knew the the game plan inside and out the potential fly half or the potential uh back row player who's going to be all about smashing it up and making big hits so i'm yeah i'd go i must admit i was going don brown because not because i'm not because anything against mark smith but to me i just think farrell ford cipriani is so far ahead but oh yeah it would almost be pointless taking him whereas don brown i think could could fight could argue depending who the back row are taken but as a six, where he played, I don't know how many people... I mean, I, whereas, for argument's sake, like Farrell, Ford and Cipriani, I think are still a fair bit ahead of Mark Smith. I don't think Mark Wilson necessarily as good as he is. I don't think he's that much ahead of Don Brandt if he's playing like that. But anyway, Don Brandt got like 10 premiership tries. Yeah, I don't think if a um, Brad Shields goes... I To me, Don Brandt's playing better than Brad Shields. So, to me, I'd go Don Brandt if I had to take one player. But I, I don't think any of them will go, and I think probably rightly so. Well, you've got you've got Curry and Underhill, who we both said would be quite an interesting pairing, even though they're both sevens. Uh, yeah, if yeah. you've got a big Billy carrying from the back, and your second row can carry, and your front row can carry, then actually a couple of players like that in you know on the flanks could be quite an interesting combination, even though they're not officially a six and a seven. And we know what Wilson can do at six. Yeah, but, but I, we're I, kind of talking tw- you know, starting twenty three. So, so yeah, I don't really know what you what are you looking at. Trouble is, is you can only take thirty one players. 
Yeah, it, it's 31's not as many as you think. And is I it? feel like you should be able to take more because isn't it all about um, player welfare? And surely taking more people, having more options, and being given the, and having the opportunity to rest more people in a in a kind of intense couple of months of a World Cup would be a fairly easy way to say. And maybe the, maybe the argument is that if you, you know with more than thirty one, you're just giving more and more advantage to the the bigger nations. But surely player welfare comes first. And uh, yeah, like I say, one simple solution to improving that, even if it's just marginally, is to say take a bigger squad if you want. I yeah, I mean, I don't. Um, I, I I think thirty one. I, I think thirty one's the right. Right amount, like you, you've got to, you've got to limit it. Don't well, you? When, I, I when don't we do, when we do the episode on the squad, we will, we will uh, look at this more closely, and we'll look at, you know, how many, how many front row players do you need, how many second, you know, and we'll go through it like that, and then we'll see if there's a, an area where we think actually, from a player welfare perspective, you need more than that. Yeah, no, it would we'll be look, interesting. Play, we'll, we'll, yeah, I, I don't want to get too player welfarey, but I, I think. I think Freddie One's right. I, I don't think any of them will go. And I'd argue also, like, although I said I'd take Don Brand, I would argue that I would have Kvesic ahead of him. I'd have Don Armand ahead of him. Yeah. How did uh, how did Ben Curry look? So, so I think the problem is, is Ben Curry, probably a lot like his brother, um, plays a type of game that you you need to really be able to see what he's doing down in the dirt. And obviously from the stands, you can't see that. So I, I feel like... He's the sort of player that probably struggles to shine when you're watching live, um, and I haven't seen, I haven't watched the the highlights to watch it back. So I don't know whether he looked better um, on the TV. He did, but don't get me wrong, he didn't look bad at all. But he, yeah, he, to me, he didn't shine. We, you know, we'd said beforehand he was one of the players we most wanted to see, um, and in hindsight, it, I didn't get that from him. But like I say, it's, it's possibly partly because he does a lot of work on the ground. He's. I. I think it's fair to say he's not going to be in the World Cup squad, but, no. but it was just you know, more out of interest. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, still great for England. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, that was that. Uh, that was my. T- I mean, you know, it's 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 Barbar's games are always a funny one. They're an uncapped sort of exhibition match. Um, didn't disappoint. You know, it was it was almost fifty points apiece. Um, you know, which is which is great from a spectator point of view. Loads of tries. Um, great day out but how much do you learn about England rugby not a huge amount um, it was probably a third string team in some cases maybe even fourth string uh, and I think it's always you know it's it's like watching the under 20s and going oh this is the future of England rugby but it's not no, because not there are so many young guys playing in the senior you know at senior level that a lot of those under 20s who are going to the World Cup are not going to just move into the senior team one or two will um so yeah you're not really getting a glimpse of the future by watching a team like this but you are getting an opportunity to spot certain players and the smith a march and a don brandt are three examples you know we know we know what a tom curry can do and we assume as identical twins a ben curry is not going to be massively dissimilar so there's you know there's a few guys who definitely will be interesting to keep an eye on let's say that much yeah, I like to say keep an eye on. I but I think this team was picked, bearing in mind that realistically, 
that it would have to be an exceptional, like an unbelievable performance for them to like a Tom Curry well, versus well, Wales. I, I think I think Eddie pretty much said the reason why he wasn't picking the team and the reason why um, the, the team was being picked as it was is because they weren't going to the World Cup. Yeah, they've been ruled out already, effectively. Uh, I, I, I did not hear that. Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of effectively said that because of because of the. Um, so but this is one of the reasons why Cipriani wasn't involved. We don't know that for sure yet. But one of the reasons why Cipriani was told he couldn't play for the Barbars was because he was told that he was unavailable. But he wasn't unavailable because of club commitments. So it can only have been England that said no. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 for sure. Um, whereas, whereas you know, even a Marcus Smith, you know, who Eddie has included in his England squad before, albeit as an apprentice player, was made available for this game. So that's that says to me that Eddie has officially said. I don't think it means that 100% he won't involve them. And like I say, injuries can change things. Um, but I think the, the guys that were selected, the 23 selected for that game, all of them have pretty much been written off as World Cup players. Um, but, you know, anything goes. And like I say, if there's injuries, um, there's the potential that if Marcus Smith is, say, fourth in line and... You know, something happens to two of the the four that we would argue are the, or two of the three that we would argue are the current fly halves. If you assume you've got to take at least two, yeah, um, he may well be required. And for that reason, and because he would be a playmaker, you might want to involve him in some of the training training camps so that he is kind of up to date with tactics and and game plans and everything else rather than him flying out in the middle of the world cup and having to go in and be the playmaker you know cold so we might we might see him involved marcus smith we might see him involved in in um training squads but i wouldn't read too much into it that's i think that's probably how i'd look at it yeah fair enough fair enough um cool cool well it- Anything else from your perspective? No, I think that probably covers it. Um, we will keep bringing episodes. We've got lots to talk about, but obviously, as as far as the the playing part of rugby goes, there's a bit of a bit of a hiatus now. I think the first game is beginning of August, is it? Uh, yeah, the warm because we've got the warm up. Uh, actually, wait, when is it? It can't be the beginning of August. I, I think it is. No, it must be. It must be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. But that, that comes quickly. And actually, there's quite a lot between now and then, like the wider squads. And next week, we can perhaps... Because there are players who we haven't talked about who are like quite interesting, the likes of Zach Mercer. Yeah. Who Where you're like, well, he wasn't involved, so is, is he in Eddie's plans? And um, Sam Simmons, unfortunately, I think he might have been injured too much. But maybe next week, we can look at talking about those sort of things. Um plenty to chat about yeah uh, maybe, maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll you know between now and when the the warm-up games start happening we can look at um in, we can break england down into into sort of segments you know front five or you know front row back five you know the the midfield and and, and sort of say what are all the options that are available to Eddie Jones right now. What are the outside chances? You know, who do you, who can you, who can you cross off the list? Is never going to happen. Um, you know, who can we ink in right now and and sort of start to break it down that way? And so we end up with our own sort of 40, 41, 45, whatever it might be, man squad that that is a hundred percent where the thirty one is going to come from. Um, and, and maybe that will give us a bit more, uh, a bit more to kind of go on when we 
come to picking our squad and going through Andrew's squad uh, and talking about Cipriani and how how and if he'd fit in and what have you. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to go through that because I, I, especially our, especially the front five. If we do a front five one, I, I think people will need to listen to our knowledge on that. Oh, well, I mean, we're that'll front five special. That'll be special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but no, that's cool. I need to go and uh, burn a doll's head and um, put a plan together how I can uh, mentally torment the missus. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has important things in their yeah. life, and um, you know, you're no different, my friend. So, guys, on that note, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Sorry it's come a bit late. We'll try and get things back on track, get them a bit more regular in the future. But um, get in touch. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you've got any questions or any ideas for future episodes or you know, very near future episodes, things you want to want us to look into. Um, if you get the opportunity, as I always say, uh, it would be great if you could have it. head over to iTunes, rate us, review us. Um, it's how we get noticed and of course time is running out to try and get as many people tuning in as possible um, before before the games kick off and of course once that happens you'll be hearing a, well you may not be because you may choose not to tune in but if you do choose to tune in you'll be hearing a lot from us because we're going to bring you obviously all the England games and I'm sure plenty more besides so keep tuning in we'll be back next week um, and uh, you know, have have a great end to your weekend and we'll catch you guys soon.